This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. Hey, y'all, what's going on? Um, How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying uh, my sensei that's coming out. I'm enjoying the smell of this candle. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we have talked about, um, we've been going through Gary Thomas's sacred pathways. Um, and we have talked about the naturalist, the sensate and the traditionalist this week. We're talking about the ascetic. Yeah. Um, and that little document that I found last week, um, that was super helpful. Um, it describes the ascetic as someone who love, who who loves God in solitude and simplicity. Um, these people worship through prayer and quiet time and the absence of all outside noise and distraction. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good way of talking about the ascetic, but you know, we all have elements of this. The, the ascetic really is the person who lives a life that is, um, they're cut from a different cloth, so yeah. to say. So Gary Thomas makes the argument. It's an oversimplification and exaggeration, but uh, the John the Baptist is an ascetic. Because um, he's this kind of weird, quirky dude. He does things different, um, and he goes about pursuing God in a different way. Yeah, uh, Ascetics do as well, but we all have elements of ascetics in us, even if we don't realize it. Um so one of the things that ascetics uh, really love, and they live in the they live in this kind of intersection of three worlds, which is solitude, silence, and strictness. And so, um, we all live in an element of those worlds. Yeah. But the ascetic uh, it just experiences it different. You know, we might want solitude and silence after a long day at the office or running around busy, like yeah. especially if you have a high pressure job, like an attorney or something like that, somebody on wall street. Like if, uh, if you have a high stress, high fast paced job, um, coming home to absolute silence, is pretty incredible. I and mean, that yeah. can be pretty relaxing for you. Um, but to another part, some people just need silence and solitude to accomplish the goal at hand. And it, and that's what we're doing here. Practicing presence is um, trying to equip you with the tools to complete the job at hand, which is to live a life um, that is more fulfilling uh, in your relationship with God. And so... Uh, whenever I think about the ascetic, uh, oftentimes I think of a movie. So if you have ever watched the movie uh, 21 Jump Street, oh my uh, there's a character on there named Schmidt, and 
he has this one scene where uh, he keeps repeating over and over and over again, I need absolute silence while I get into character. I need absolute silence while I fall into character. I need absolute silence while I get into character. Um, <laughs> in that regard, <laughs> why are you laughing? Because I, I quoted 21 Jump Street. I'm just re I'm remembering that scene yeah. playing in my head. It's so funny. Yeah. But, I need yeah. absolute silence while I get into character. Um, yeah. But in in that scene, Schmidt embodies who an aesthetic is. Mm. Like this need for silence, this need to not be distracted by my senses or the other things around me. Uh, I need absolute silence yeah. while I fall into character. Like yeah. that perfectly embodies who the aesthetic is. Mm. Um, a person who likes to be alone, uh, a person who likes to practice piety in their own way. Mm. Um, and a person who likes to be in silence and, and, where that inner, like where those worlds collide yeah. is in, um, a rigid strictness. Mm. Um, that is who the, the aesthetic ends up being. And so one, one example of this, um, that we find in Jesus, Matthew and Luke, Luke does it really good, but Matthew also does it. They have a really good way of shaping the narrative of Jesus. Uh, Luke, really does this but through his prayer life um and so each matthew um has this kind of motif where the things that happen in matthew's gospel uh you know what's important in that gospel based on what happens on a mountain mm. like if it happens on a mountain in matthew's gospel like you better note that because yeah. it is important jesus goes on mountains to preach jesus goes on mountains to pray Jesus goes on mountains to experience transfiguration. Yeah. Um, Jesus goes on mountains for a, num a variety of things, but uh, in Matthew, when he goes on a mountain, like it's important. Yeah. And oftentimes around the mountain narratives, you will see Matthew highlight that Jesus went away to pray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, went away alone to pray. Um, and oftentimes for hours, like hours and hours and hours. Like at one point, I think I remember doing the math and at one point in the scene, um, in Matthew's gospel, right after he, um, feeds the 5,000 men. Mm. So presumably about 20,000 people, he goes away to pray. Um, and he goes away to pray for about nine hours. If I'm remembering this correctly, let me know in the comments. Um, but, and Luke does this too. Luke's narrative motif uh, is around the temple or Jerusalem. So if you remember, Luke's gospel is the only one that gives us the narrative about Jesus being a boy in the temple. Mm -hmm. That's not unique. Um, that's there for a reason because yeah. Luke is uh, setting the temple up as a motif uh, to go throughout. There's a turning point in Luke's gospel. Uh, I believe it's Luke 9-11 or Luke 11-9. I can't remember. Um but it says, and he set his eyes towards Jerusalem. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you, you, you should mark that. Like something's different is about to happen in this, in this narrative. Um, but so also when there are things around the temple, uh, you can often find Jesus praying. Yeah. And in the same way, he goes away to pray. Um, 
And when he goes away to pray, I mean, he's going away for silence. He's going away for solitude. And it's strict. Like Jesus knows, Jesus may not be rigid. Yeah. Like it happens every morning, but he's strict. I know my body. I know I'm self-aware enough. My emotional intelligence is enough to know that I cannot wait to go pray. Like I need to go pray. Yeah. That's, and that's an important distinction between rigidity and strictness. Yeah. Right. Um, the traditionalist would be rigid. Mm-hmm. Ascetic, yeah. not rigid. Yeah. Strict, but meaning that as life ebb and flows, I know what I need and I'm going to make sure I get what I need, but I'm not necessarily going to be rigid in how I get that. And you know, there, there is something, there is something valuable to this for everyone. And I challenge everyone to try this. Um, I heard a, uh, spiritual leader one time say, um, he encouraged his, his congregants to go home not turn on any radio, not turn on the TV, legit just sit in silence and maybe read some book on spiritual formation. Um, but legit just, just to sit in silence. Um, there, there is something valuable in that. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and there is this really popular song, um, called car radio by 21 pilots. I don't know if, how many people who listen actually have heard this song, but literally the song is about this guy. Um, well, so the, the guy who wrote the song when he was in college, um, his car radio got stolen. And so he spent several months without a radio in his car. And every time he drove, it was complete silence. And it was just him and his thoughts in the car. Um, and that's what that song is about, just being alone with your thoughts. And and in the same way, as Christians, we can take this and be alone with God. Yeah. In complete silence. And there is some absolute value in that. Yeah. Well, and, and so with that, you should also think of um, the ascetic in a, a very contemplative way. Yeah. They're not they're not the person that's going to read their Bible every day. They're not the person that's going to do spontaneous prayer. They're the person that's going to be the contemplative, the philosophy major. They're the person that's going to be um a bit quirky to a lot of the other pathways and and uh expressions of spirituality. I mean, uh, some of the actions of an ascetic uh, that Gary points out, and his first one is, uh, I think it's really hard for us to experience this, but it's he says walking in the night. And I, I want to set this up for what he means because I want you to buy the book and go read it uh, because we're just literally just barely hitting the surface. But... Um, we see this in Jesus. Yeah. Oftentimes, really important moments happen at night for Jesus. Um, and so there are two that are coming to mind right now. One is that uh, when we have the recount 
the story recounted of Jesus walking on water, uh, that happens at night. Yeah. Do you remember the, the disciples? They think he's a ghost. Um, yeah. Just imagine what that would be like. Yeah, well, and just also gives you a bit of comfort that ghost stories aren't a new thing. They've <laughs> 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 been around for a while. But so Jesus is literally walking in the night and, and walking in a, like a pretty weird way. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of Jesus's ascetic nature um, coming out there. But also, um, we see Jesus as an ascetic um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's really late at night, um, and he's praying, and he's praying in a garden, yeah. in silence, alone. Right, he has his disciples, and he takes, he stops them there, and he takes his inner three and brings them in a little bit deeper into the garden and sets them there, and then he goes deeper in by himself. Yeah, um, I think that speaks to levels of relationship. Yeah, it speaks to levels of solitude. Um, it speaks to levels of silence and also levels of strictness. I know that there's going to come a time where in my prayer, I'm going to have to walk away and find community again. And so twice I walk back to find my deepest inner connections and community in Peter, James and John asleep. Yeah. They weren't there when I needed them. Um, so I think we see, the ascetic in Jesus in this way. And the night is important. Um, and it's really hard for us to note this based on where we live, but everything happens in the day. In the ancient world, you got to remember there's no, there's no lights. There's no electricity. Um, there's fire. So there's light in that way. But as we all know, firelight and light bulbs radically different in the output of lumens that they have. Yeah. In the level of illumination, they're pretty different. And so like when we walk outside, it's really hard for us to see the stars. It's really hard for us to experience the magnitude of creation. Um, and to another point, because we have lights, um, People stay up late because we have the capacity to do that. People do it right. People, people are limited by the capacity in which they can experience something. So with the invention of the light bulb, like the capacity to stay up later and have the quote unquote nightlife, uh, that went up. Um, and so the world is still busy at nighttime. For most people, especially if you live in the concrete jungle. Um, But if you put yourself in the mountains of Colorado or in the foothills of Tennessee uh, or the plains of Montana, you're going to experience the night a whole lot different than you would in a metroplex. In a metropolitan area, walking in the night in those types of places in agrarian places, you truly experience solitude, silence. Um, You become contemplative, contemplating God, his magnitude, 
his intervention and activity in the world. Um, that is embodying the ascetic. Yeah. That, that type of activity speaks to who an ascetic is and what they practice. The, the idea of being alone, um, that, that analogy is not meant to be confused, um, with the, the naturalist, even though it could fit for the naturalist as well. Um, but the well, naturalist um, is more about more about being in creation, right? The ascetic is more about being alone in a place where I can experience God, right? Now that happens for some ascetics in nature, mm-hmm. but in other places, you know, you know, who's another good example of an ascetic is the main character from that movie War Room. I never saw it. The older African American lady, and she goes into her closet. It's literally a closet. And she turned into a prayer room, and she goes in there to pray. Solitude by herself, silent, only with her words. Mm. And as she starts, as she starts praying, she starts soft. But the experience of solitude and silence and passionate passionate prayer leads her in volume elevation Mm. that's that's what we were talking about you know uh ascetics they can't experience like sensory overload um they really need like their senses can distract them and so for her like she's another really good example of an ascetic because she just walks in that room and she gets at it boy i mean she just starts praying um and so she's another good, like more contemporary uh, idea of an ascetic that's not ex- doing practicing asceticism in nature. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, a really good point that I've never thought about before. Uh, there's lots of times that I've been alone and prayed out loud and like really gotten into it and experienced that that elevation and and volume and passion, um, and it only happens when I'm alone. In yeah, um, yeah. That we're gonna come to another pathway that I think can do that in public spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most people, I don't think we get as impassioned in prayer mm-hmm. as we do when we're alone. Yeah, that is. Wow, that's. Hmm. Never thought about it that way. Well, and to to another extent, I mean, in this. Um, this is why it's so important to have like understand these pathways because you can dive deeper into these and go, okay, like, well, I can try to build my rule of life, yeah. which we'll talk about another point, but rule of life is basically summed up as a, a set, like a, a structure that you have, uh, in order for you to best experience God. Um, and that structure doesn't look the same for everyone, right? Very few people build houses exactly like one they've seen before. Um, and the structure of homes are unique to the home. Right. So in the same way, the structure of your rule of life, your spiritual pathway, your experience of God is unique to you. Right. And, um, and so for some people, they experience God best when they're on the move. Like they're a very active person. 
Um, and so they are on the move. Um, but for an ascetic, they best experience God when they are still, mm. not moving. Um, I just want to say that ascetic is cut against the grain. Like yeah. they're, they're a different breed, and it's beautiful because our world dictates the, the speed and pace at which we move. And ascetic, ascetics just kind of say, screw that. My strictness says uh, I need to experience God in stillness, and so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, so have you ever had a moment where you were just still? Um, I really struggle with this. I'm a, I'm a mover. I'm a goer. I'm a always doing something kind of person. Um, which is really hard for me, but, um, there's a lot that can happen in moments of complete stillness. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, Silence and stillness is hard for me. Um, even whenever, uh, I'm home alone and I don't have anything going on. Um, there's music playing Yeah. or I've got a podcast going or, or something, Right, I can't have the the complete silence, and I'm up doing something, right? Whether it's maybe I'm not up doing something, but I'm doing something, right? Um, and maybe that's something that I need to explore a little bit more is the silence and um, stillness. Yeah, that that whole idea of be still and know that I am God, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. um yeah literally sit in my presence. Um, so one of the ways that I do this, I'm not a still person. I mean, if you're watching on the video, you can see I'm like tapping my leg. Like he's always fidgeting. Yeah. I always been that way. (laughs) I have to move. I always talk with my hands. Like I, I never stop moving. Um, but one thing that I've been trying to do is two or three nights a week. Um, after most of our neighborhood is kind of shut down, I try to step out on my back porch and smoke a pipe. Now, there are sometimes when I smoke a pipe and I try to do something while I do it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm doing it for a purpose. And I guess everything we do to some extent is done for a purpose. But something that I've been trying to do is smoke a pipe for the purpose of being still and quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you've smoked pipe, you know that it's not like smoking a cigar. It's not a very active, aggressive um, type of experience. Uh, you almost need to nurse it. Yeah, it's like um, it's like you're kindling and tending a very, very small fire, mm. giving it the perfect amount of breathability, while also not so much airflow that you put it out. Um, and so for me, it's been one, it's still not perfectly still, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, and so it's one way that I've been trying to practice stillness. And I will tell you that, especially for me as a pastor, um, and church planter and, uh, graduate student and father and husband, um, 
all of that in a pandemic like everyone else is experiencing. Um, my day is jam-packed and loud. I mean, I have two toddlers that are here in the house all day long at me every second. Daddy, 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 daddy. Um, it's super cute, though. <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and I cherish the moments. Um, but even in cherishing those moments, there comes times where we have to say, like, I just need a minute. Yeah. We need silence and solitude. And so two or three nights a week, I've been trying to do it. And I will tell you, um, not only is it um, added time of uh, spirituality and formation, um, it's also been helpful for my anxiety levels Mm. um, to take a time at the end of the day to stop, slow down, be still, get outside, yeah. um, all of those types of things. And so even if you're listening to this going, man, aesthetics are really just the hippies. Um, yeah, they are, and there's beauty in that. Yeah. Um, and we can all learn something from them. I mean, Absolutely. and we can take elements of this. I mean, all of us want moments of silence and all of us want moments of solitude. I mean, even if you're 100% an extrovert, mm. like there are moments in life that you don't really want people around. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, there are elements of this for me. Like there's times where I want to be alone, but it can't be in silence. Right. Oh um, yeah. Um, but, um, I do know lots of people that legit will be like, yo, no, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Like I need to be alone and I need it to be quiet. Um, and I respect that. It's just not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? That's the whole yeah. point of exploring this book is, uh, not everyone is going to fit all these categories, Yeah. but yeah, at some level, all of us incorporate there some level of each of these. There has to be an element of all of these pathways that you can identify with in some at some level to some degree yeah. um now for to to your point with that silence um you know you said you want to be alone but not always silent mm -hmm. there are other people who um you know want to be alone and silent mm -hmm. there are even other people who don't want to be alone but also be in silence but they want it to be silent yeah um, and so like that, there's different levels of this at, at every turn, but as we end here, one thing that Gary mentions that I think is super important, um, a pitfall of an ascetic can be, um, self piety, mm. um, and almost like a level of arrogance about it. Like I do spirituality this way. So like it's, I'm more pious than you cause you don't do the things that I do. Mm. Uh, now we all have, we're all guilty of that. Oh, absolutely. We can all go, well, man, I can't believe that person spent so much time doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. I think this is, this is a common narrative in, uh, for pastors. Congregations will get upset with their pastors because of, how much time they spend doing something. Yeah. So a common example is like golf course or hunting. Like they play golf too much or they spend too much time hunting or fishing or something. Yeah. But 
for a person that doesn't know these things about the pathways, they might not know that those can be spiritual outlets or, or spiritual times of rejuvenation for pastors. Um, I mean, I talked about it before, but like the golf course for me is healing. Mm. It gets a place to be with God and connect with God in nature, be by myself, interacting with nature and, and contemplating on God and being, being quiet, being silent, being in solitude. Um, and so even though I'm not a naturalist, like it's still, I still practice this. And so we all have elements of this that we can practice, take and, and learn from. Yeah, absolutely. So if this sounds like you, you might be an aesthetic. Um, and it, even if this sounds nothing like you, I encourage you to try it. Sit and try to sit and say, I'm going to do this later tonight whenever I go home. I'm going to sit in absolute silence and try to be still. Yeah, for sure. And see what ends up happening. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for joining us. <laughs>